Amen. You sure do look good to me this morning. I want to say that. And I'm sure ready to preach. Jimmy asked me a, quite an insulting question a few uh, minutes ago. He said, uh, now are you going to preach for an hour today since it's been a few weeks since you've been up? And I assured him I wouldn't go over 45 minutes. So <laughs> I've missed that kind of teasing. Um, you know, Tammy and I want to say this morning how blessed we are uh, by you, how thankful we are uh, uh, for you. We want to especially thank our staff uh, in these weeks that I've been away um, on vacation, which wasn't exactly a restful vacation as we were getting ready for a big wedding and then um, uh, the house fire ensued. But, but it has been a great staff of support for us. And, um, uh, and we have felt that. And I know you have felt that. And I want to especially thank um, Scott Gilliland, who's been filling the pulpit the last few weeks. Now, didn't he do a great job? Uh, we're, we're so proud of... Now, I hope he didn't hear that. Is he in the room anywhere? That... But he is doing a great job. We are so proud of our, um, our young pastors who have been going into seminary from this church. Just uh, this morning, Carrie Lynn played in worship at the early service. Craig Howard is up here assisting us in worship this morning. And, of course, Reagan and Scott are fresh out of seminary. We're so proud of, of them. The title of the message this morning is No Total Eclipse of God's Love. Now, I wonder why that hit me this week. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, we have uh, in the midst of our sermon series, we have what we call a standalone sermon. And that means the, the, it's, it's pastor's choice. We get to pick what we want to preach. And, and that just seemed like with the world booming with the news of an eclipse, it just seemed like a pretty good title. And so, you know, people have traveled really literally all over the world to experience um, what is called totality in the eclipse. And, and by totality, we mean uh, to experience night in the midst of the day, right in the middle of the day, to the point that the stars come out and the crickets start chirping and the shadows of the crescent moon are cast, and everyone can wear goofy eyewear, and nobody think anything but you're cool, right? That's been the experience of this past week. And just a thought for us this morning, before I read the passage of Scripture we're going to focus on. All of us have had times when it perhaps seemed that fear due to a tragedy or a devastating life circumstance or, or, or a hurricane or torrential rains and flooding bios seemed that uh, God's love had been eclipsed. The doubts come out. The voices in your head start chirping. And shadows of death loom larger than life. But thanks be to God, an eclipse cannot last. And God's love is like the sun. It can appear to be covered up for a moment. But it is always there. And by faith we claim that God's love never leaves us, 
never forsakes us, is always there, even if we can't see it, if, even if we can't feel it. And there is never a total eclipse of God's love. It's only a shadowy image, even if we think it's gone, it's there. Now, can I have an amen to that this morning? Amen. Now, that wasn't quite what I need. What, how about an amen this morning? Amen. That was much better. I'm ready to preach. But I've already shared my message. And the message is, there is no eclipse of God's love. Thank you. Three's the charm. Now I've selected a passage of scripture this morning that I'm going to be um, saying more about as this sermon unfolds, about its inspiration, about why on the Sunday when it's a standalone Sunday, I would happen to choose 1 John, 1 John 4, beginning with the 13th verse, 1 John 4, 13. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us the Spirit, His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent His Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or a sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have, have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now notice the front of the bulletin this morning. The front of the bulletin has an excerpt of one scripture passage from 1 John that we've just read that says, And so we know and rely on the love that love God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. You know, there's more to that story that I'm going to tell soon. I've been gone for a few weeks now, and really a lot has happened besides the eclipse of the sun. This sleepy summer seemingly was restless, 
in our world and in our country. Kim Jong-un of North Korea and our president, Donald Trump, got into it. Missiles being launched, war exercises are being conducted, threats being made about nuclear war. And the words that are exchanged about fire and fury versus packs of wolves have all been spoken to enhance fear. Charlottesville used to be known as a beautiful, historic, small Virginia University city, and maybe once again it will be. But in the last few days, to speak the word Charlottesville reminds us of violence, doesn't it? Nazis, Klansmen, white supremacists, rallies, counter-protesters, and the death of a young woman named Heather Heyer and masks and shields and helmets and placards and chants and degrading Jews and minorities and counter chants all to instill fear. Now juxtapose the restless summer of fear with the peace and the perfect love proclamations that this church is about making. Music camp for our children happened a few days ago, and its crescendo was on Friday, uh, August the 11th, which was the eve of my daughter's wedding. I had lots going on. I was still on vacation, but I broke with vacation because I couldn't wait to see those kids. I love kids singing. And our kids, who were literally from all over the world, were standing up on the stage in Asbury Hall sharing with us their musical they'd been rehearsing all week and proclaiming to us, we're all created in the image of God. Sisters and brothers are we. And on and on they sang and on and on they proclaimed. And I thought in the midst of all of the restlessness of this world, we can hear it from the children. They're speaking about a perfect love that casts out fear. We're all the same. North Koreans, South Koreans, folks from the United States, the UK, Africa, India, we're all people created in the image of God. Brothers and sisters are we. And just last Sunday, I hate I missed it, but Feed My Starving Children was going on and hundreds of Lover's Lane volunteers from all across um, this congregation came together with other congregations who for two days packed food rations that will literally save the lives of children all over the world who are hungry. 1.5 million meals were packed. If I'm doing the math right, I think 400,000 of those were packed by Lover's Lane shifts the last two of the day that put us over the mark. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> Thank God we're so involved in Feed My Starving Children and have been for some years now. And what I'm told about those that were gathered, there were lots of blue shirts in their midst. And of course, our congregation gathering means there was quite a diverse congregation there uh, packing those meals. And the children that will benefit from those will benefit from the actions, whether they notice it or not, of a perfect love 
God's love that casts out fear that every once in a while we connect with. Now this morning I'm going to share with you from my heart to both inform and be a little bit personal, but most importantly, to uplift what I believe is the gospel in the midst of the eclipses of life. We have just revealed the news in the last few days that um, Zach and his wife Emily are expecting a baby in February. Do you know what that means? That means I'm going to be married to a grandmother. Good-looking grandmother, too, I might add. And I'm going to be a peepaw. You know how they told us it was the week after Father's Day? I wondered why I hadn't gotten even a Father's Day card. And, and so they arrived at the house, and they said, Oh, yeah, we've got your Father's Day present. And I opened it up, and it was one of these. And I said, It doesn't fit. In case you can't see, it has a little Copeland on the the little onesie here, and I'm telling you, I hadn't ever received a greater Father's Day gift, and of course, I had to share it with everybody else in the family. What a joy. And here comes an insurmountable number of sermon illustrations that I will inflict on you for years to come. <laughs> and did you know since last we met, we had a wedding in our family. Our daughter, Emily, and now son-in-law, Jonathan J.B. Bryant, were engaged for 20 months. Now, I may be the only pastor who's ever had a son-in-law give two speeches. You know the speech. The first speech, he said, now, Mr. Copeland, this isn't the speech, but I need to talk to you about something. See, uh, Emily, I really do love Emily a lot, a lot, and I really do want to marry her, but this isn't the speech. But I need to tell you that, um, that, that I'm thinking about giving her a ring, and we're gonna, we'd be engaged, of course. This isn't the speech, however, but, but if we do that, we're going to be engaged for 20 months. How do you feel about such a lengthy engagement? I said, well, JB, how long have y'all been dating? He said, oh, six and a half years. I said, par for the course. Par for the course. So with such a lengthy engagement, I think by the time the wedding got here, we were kind of shocked. It's here. We've been waiting on it forever, and it's here. And our family uh, had plenty of time to prepare, so they were all here with us. And I can tell you I've never been more proud of standing about right there center aisle and my daughter coming through that door right there to show off her wedding dress in this beautiful stained glass room. <laughs> wow, I'll never forget that moment. Nor will I forget the moment of walking her down the aisle in Ship Chapel that we built for weddings, right? And she walked down the aisle with her dad. I didn't play pastor that night. I was just the father of the bride. And I was so blessed as... Reverend K. Eck officiated the service and she proclaimed that perfect love of God in Christ Jesus on which all relationships and especially marriages rest on that foundation. And just like the scripture states today, love 
God is love. And the gift of love we experience in life is all from God. And then we had a reception after the wedding downtown. And at the very end of the reception, it started raining. We were on the sixth floor of a venue downtown, so we could see that rain and all the beautiful lightning to the east. And it was quite a crescendo for the evening. And after the reception, I was back in the hotel. Tammy was running one more errand. And I'd propped my feet up, and I'd picked up a handwritten letter from Emily that was addressed Daddy-O. And I was just about to open it up when my dad, who was with my mom and my aunt down the hallway, called. And he said, Bubba, we got a call, and our home has burned to the ground. And it looks like it was struck by lightning. And they say there's nothing left. Well, I told him I'd be right down. And everything in that moment changed. I could feel the fear creeping in. You know what I'm talking about? Sure you do. There's not a person in this room that hasn't experienced a circumstance. Maybe not a fire, though we're surprised at how many of you have. But, but some circumstance that's come into your life crashing out of the blue that has come in and all of a sudden the fear starts creeping in and you don't know exactly what tomorrow may hold and you're overwhelmed and it's like an eclipse you can't see the sun there are those experiencing that today on the gulf coast there are those experiencing that today in houston texas and in surrounding areas when the where the floodwaters are rising our own former pastor, Corinne, his wife, and their family, they're, they're experiencing that today. There's some of you right here in this room who, are come, who have come here, and yet you're still somewhat um, in the midst of an eclipse due to a circumstance. You know, after hearing that news and going down and being with Dad, Mama, was, she was asleep. And she did not know this news, and so we faced the daunting task on a Sunday morning of, of telling her that eclipsing news. Now, I didn't sleep too well that, that uh, Sunday morning, night, as I thought about the context. For 20 months, we as a family had been praying and hoping against hope that my mom who battles Parkinson's as she has for the last 30 years, would have the strength to be at the wedding. And she was assisted by her little sister, Alice, who is 18 years her junior, nearly to the day. They're one day and 18 years apart. They never spent a day together in the same home as a family, but sisters they are. And Alice had lost her husband just two weeks prior. And she called us and she said, I want to take care of Martha. And we got him a suite. And so because of Alice's selfless love, my parents got to attend two nights. Rehearsal and reception and the wedding in between. They haven't been away two nights in a row in nearly, from their house in nearly ten years. 
And my mother was so proud. She was proud as a peacock when she was wheeled down the aisle so that she could experience her youngest granddaughter's wedding. And at the reception that followed, um, the DJ called all of those who'd been married for more than five years or so to come up, and we all hit the dance floor and started dancing, and there was Dad wheeling Mama around in her wheelchair. And when Tammy and I sat down, uh, those who'd been married 35 years, we'd been married 36, we sat down. At the end of that dance, the only two still wheeling around was, was my mother and my dad. They'd been married 60 years, and all of our hopes being realized and they being recognized, it was like the icing on the wedding cake. Good, and that goodness was experienced by all. I was kneeling at my mom's chair in her room with my sister and all of her family there and Tammy and I with our family there when my dad so caringly spoke those difficult words about loss to my mom. And she cried a little bit hearing those difficult words. The first words out of her mouth were, Oh, my things. And then nearly as quickly as she had spoken those words, she looked at us and she said, but you know, they're just things, just stuff. What's important is that we have each other and we have our memories and that we're all safe and we're all here together. Stand, pray for us. And we all prayed together. And then we went downstairs and we had breakfast together and the shelf of the hotel was from Chandler, Texas. The shelf! You think we don't have culture in Chandler? We, we. The shelf! And he took good care of us. What a word of grace my mother spoke and truth. And I know my parents are grieving and will be grieving for some time to come. But we were so blessed that they weren't home. And they have told so many people that. We're so happy we weren't home. We're blessed. Now my mom is an organized hoarder. She doesn't have as many things to hoard right now. But she'll get back. <laughs> she has saved every picture, every newspaper clipping, every... Every bulletin from services and worship services, even newsletters of churches that I've served for years, they're put into an album, then they're put into uh, a plastic container, marked and labeled and put into the sacred closets. <laughs> and the fire claimed it all. And, and there were so many... Uh, Chandler relics in the house like a, an old soda fountain that had been in my grandfather's drugstore, my father's drugstore, the drugstore before my grandfather's drugstore, about a hundred years old. It had been in our house for the last 50 years. It moved there due to a, a tornado that came through Chandler in the 60s and destroyed my grandfather's drugstore, so we ended up with it in our home. All gone to a fire. 
But as Tammy and I gathered with our family on Sunday morning two weeks ago, and there we were seeing still a very hot fire with lots of smoke and nothing left, there blowing on the ground was this. And I knew as soon as I saw it what it was. But I picked it up and it was a piece of a a quarterly newsletter from Lover's Lane United Methodist Church that was about 15 years old. And on one side, it had um, Brian McLaren, who was about to speak at the McCormick Lectures. And on the other side, it had the 23rd Psalm. And I remembered how many times we've walked through the garden and walked through that scripture and how many times I've read the 23rd Psalm in times of death and at funerals or memorial services. And, and I remembered in that instant, in, in picking up this miracle of a little shred of paper, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, all that we need that satisfies completely is in our relationship with God. And we should never forget that. All we need is there. Things come and go. But the relationship with God is never eclipsed. And our faith is in that good shepherd who makes us lie down by the green pastures, the green pastures full of life, who, who, who leads us beside still waters, those waters full, full, of, full of peace that restores our souls. And that valley of the shadow, the shadow of death, is not one in which we reside, but one through which we pass. The shadow of death will always give way to the sun and the brightness of God's love every time. We don't need to forget that. And the prominent scripture in this newsletter that was right there, um, right there in my hands, this charred piece of paper said, and so we know and rely and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. You know, I believe that God has given nature similar but different freedom than God has given us. Let me explain. God has put the laws of gravity in place in such a way in his creation that the laws of gravity govern a lot of what goes on. Laws of the universe that we are still discovering really do drive a lot of the natural circumstances that happen in life. God can because he's all-powerful, but God chooses not to redirect hurricanes or tornadoes or thunderstorms or lightning strikes. God does not control these things, but gives nature freedom to be. God allows them to exist and move according to the works of nature. And there is nothing my family could have done about a lightning strike. 
nothing. There's nothing the people in Houston could have done about a coming hurricane except for try to get ready. It was coming. You know, people who would pray that the hurricane missed them, it's going to hit somebody. I'd rather think that God isn't in the business of making it miss somebody and hit somebody else. How about you? That's crazy theology, by the way. God also gives us free will to make choices. God doesn't dictate to us what we do. We have freedom of choice. And my prayer parents prayed for 20 months to be at my daughter's wedding and God's prevenient grace was was helping them to make that decision and God's prevenient grace was helping my aunt to make her decisions and it all merged together where they could be at this wedding and could be away from a home that burned to the ground and God knows what would have happened had they have been there so you can look back and you can see God's hand in the midst of so much good that happened in the midst of terrible circumstances and you have to be ready because God will just keep on sending it he'll keep on delivering those words of positive hope he'll keep on bringing the love just like he did in that little piece if you think that was a, just a, a coincidence I've got news for you I don't believe that because I do believe that God can put into our paths in ways that we can't understand or explain His messages that ring so true. So I will forever believe this was the message of God that I, my family, and you need to hear this morning. Whereas God does not redirect lightning strikes that can lead to fires, God sends us messages that lead us to proclaim God has love for us. God is love. And if we abide in love, we abide in God. And God in us loves. Now one phrase from this little text that was charred on the ground that speaks to me today is those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in him or her we couldn't speak about that fire for several days because our daughter and her husband were on a honeymoon we didn't want them to find out via Facebook or some other way and they didn't but last Friday and Saturday over 60 people gathered, half of which were from my home, little hometown and half of which were from here at Lover's Lane. They represented the congregation well. For two days, they cleaned bricks and stone and removed debris and ash all the way down to the slab. And at, a long, at the end of a long, hot, dirty weekend, we were left with a naked, naked dusty slab that was really a beautiful sight. It was a sign of a Starting over, a new beginning. But what truly was beautiful were the smiles on my parents' faces. 
as they receive the love of so many and have received the love from so many in, the, in, in that work day especially where they witnessed God abiding, God's love abiding in young and old men and women, boys and girls, city and country dwellers alike, black and white, lay and clergy, Methodist and Baptist, those who were born and reared in Chandler and Dallas and those who call Zimbabwe homeland. Let me tell you something. It looked like the kingdom of God on that burned out slab with people from all over gathered and God's love abiding through them. And your calls, your letters, your notes, your hugs, your clothes, your food, your gifts, more than they need, really. But all just speaking the message of abundant love of God that will, will be more and more and more revealed to us. All of this said, by word and deed, what Lover's Lane is about proclaiming right now, that we are about loving all. That's it. That's our most important agenda because in loving all, we, we proclaim that God is abiding in us and we are abiding in God and we're the extension of that perfect love. Though we may not be perfected in love, we can extend that perfect love of God to others. And my parents felt it. We felt it. Loving all. I was heading home Thursday. Tons of stuff to take care of, as you can imagine. And there on the freeway, I-20 heading east, there's a little Volkswagen, white Volkswagen, with a, a bumper sticker on it that said, Loving All. Oh, it was one of ours. You know, I, I sped up to, to, you know, to wave and to swerve. You know, if you put one of those Loving All bumper stickers on your car, you can't cut people off, you hear me? You got to wave and smile and try to do it safely. That was a reminder. But in the flower bed, I noticed Saturday a week ago behind the burned out vehicles that had been hauled over to the side right by a flower bed, there stood a wooden cross. And the wooden cross stated simply, Jesus is Lord. And nothing can eclipse that truth. And for those who proclaim Jesus is Lord, we know that you can't eclipse the love of God. It's always shining. We may have moments when we can't see it as directly. But it's there. It's always there. It will always be there. And it will keep reminding us of our job. Loving 